Welcome to Shrink Wrap, a podcast where Fran and Becky give proper respect to various mental health and wellness topics while adding in a little bit of smart assery that they just can't seem to contain. This podcast cannot and does not constitute therapy advice. However, we do hope that you find the information we share with you helpful and entertaining. Please be advised that this podcast discusses topics that can be sensitive to some listeners. Use appropriate discretion. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. We're so excited. This is awesome. It is awesome because we have a guest. Yes. Okay, wait. Before we do oh, that, did anyone else notice that the train pitch like matched almost perfectly with the music? You noticed. Did. Yeah. I didn't notice. I did oh, not. that was fun. Yeah. Wow. That was, yeah. One of them, a train was passing by just as we started the music and it just... Just, wow. Just hit it right oh, there. Oh, thank you, engineers. So, yeah. That was kind of them to time it that so, way. Yeah. Be aware of your surroundings, you two. Okay? I guess. We, I not know. that either one of us would ever be accused of being stuck in our own heads. That <laughs> never <know>. happens. <laughs> no. Ever. Nope. Ever. Well, Brody, can you hey, do something uh, for us? I'll leave a review. Thanks. Okay. Moving okay. on. I like that. Yeah, that I like good. that, actually. Yeah. Reviews are great. Uh, reviews help us to uh, get the show out. So word of mouth is also really good. So send some episodes to a friend. If you know somebody who is uh, banana pants, then send them, you know, just everything, mm-hmm. all the all the episodes. But it helps to get it out there, helps to support what we're doing. So uh, leave a review, five-star reviews only. If you have less than that, then you need to send them to Francine at AOL.gateway.net. <laughs> So. <laughs> I do have to say, so um, I went to the dentist this week, and my hygienist uh, just became a grandma oh. not that long ago. Uh-huh. And they, she and her husband listened to the parenting episode. Oh, cool. And they were like, where was this when we had kids? Mm. So then are making their adult children listen to it. So Aww, I thought that was so cool. That's so super cool. Thank you, Christy. Yeah. You know her. She's a grown lady. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Ah, yeah. Love her. So we have a guest. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to introduce him because I love him so much. Aww. Aww. Yeah, I do. Jesse Milbrandt. I've known you forever, mm-hmm. or at least a few years. Yeah. Yeah. At the BLC. Right. Bethlehem Lutheran. Big Beth, I like to call <laughs> him. Big Beth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's wearing a shirt that says, want a taco about Jesus? <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. But I do. I adore you and your wife, and little Arlo is probably the cutest thing I've ever seen since sliced bread. And I really just appreciate you being here. Thank yes. you. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. It's really exciting. Avid listener, super yeah. fan. You are such a huge Aww. supporter of us. First time, long time? Long time listener, first time caller? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Long time stalker, first time <laughs> yes, caller. I love it. And some of our listeners may be familiar with our episode on Alcohol 101, I think we called yeah. it, mm-hmm. with the beautiful Jamie Milbrand. Right, right. Who's your lovely bride. She is. Yeah. She's, she's a keeper. She's amazing. I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're actually having her back. Yeah. She's so smart. Mm-hmm. Alcohol mm-hmm. 102? Mm-hmm. No, we're going to do... 201. 201, that's how... Yeah, sorry. Not a college graduate, didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do drug trends. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Who cares about alcohol? That's, right. That's so 2022. <laughs> For 23, you need the hard drugs. Yeah, I want to wanna know where I can get my heroin. Let's be exactly. real. <laughs> and I just assume Jamie knows. So, mm-hmm. well, what are we talking about today, Fran? Well, we are talking about self-injurious behaviors and Jesse is kind enough and vulnerable enough to tell us his story. Mm-hmm. First, we are going to start with a... Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Frantastic Factoid. Oh my God, I freaking love that. So according to the study of the aggregate prevalence of, and I want you guys to guess this rate, of self-injurious behaviors, what is the prevalence during a lifetime? 
Okay, take a guess at that. So anybody okay, yeah, who has self-injured gotta, over their lifetime. Right. What percent of people yes. at any point in their life? Yes, lifetime probably. Even if it's just once. Yep. That would be in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. 67. Oh, my God. I was going to go 35. Jesse? Oh, I was going to say 88. Really? Wow. Okay. No. Lifetime prevalence, 22%. So You're too in low. a lifetime. Yeah. Too low. What? you? Well, hey, I'm I, just reading the research. Now, no, now, I'm not let, now wait you. a minute. This was between, this was from children. This was a meta-analysis of like 600,000 children and adolescents between 89 and 2018. So do we think that self-injurious behaviors have increased since 2018? Well, and if they were only doing children and adolescents. Mm-hmm. See, I was thinking you're, you're doing a study with like children to uh, geriatrics. Okay. That's why I was thinking it was so high because I'm like, if you cover that yeah. hole. Right. Yeah. Well, where are you getting it from, too? How to cut yourself.net? Or, right, like, is exactly. this a good, yeah, is this it was a an actual, reputable source? Yes, Cut, cutting it, is fate.org. <laughs> right. Self injurious behavior doesn't happen. Okay. So, this is. Net. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to knock you guys out. Okay. So, I don't really. I'm going to read you this, the study Global Prevalence and Characteristics of Non Suicidal Self Injury Between 2010 and 2021 Among a Non Clinical Sample of Adolescents, a Meta Analysis. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, those dates are different than what was highlighted later. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. I would think that what I've seen clinically, self injurious behavior has increased. Mm-hmm dramatically and consistently over the years. It becomes more and more like it's a thing we do to cope. That's what I, I think see. so too. And I have a guess, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Jesse. Um, is it because we can hear about it more? That's what grandma Simpson over here wants to think. That's what I think. Like I can YouTube bit. it if right, I want to. Right. So when I, when I was injuring, what I always have to say is we live in the Midwest bubble. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Trends are happening on the East Coast, West Coast, things like that. And then like three to five years later, we see them in the Dakotas. Yes, yep. And so like, you know, when I started injuring, um, it was so weird and so foreign. And you're like, no one knew about this. No one mm-hmm. in my family, none of my friends, none of this. You know what I mean? And so it was one of those things. Well, then later, I believe it was Lifetime did mm-hmm. a show that involved mm-hmm. self-injury. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that was kind of like your first glimpse of the, you know, because who doesn't watch Lifetime in the Midwest? <laughs> right, of course. So all the moms are just like <gasps> right. shocked and odd. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden now it's, I feel like now it just is there. It's a yeah. real thing now. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So you actually saw the Lifetime episode or your mom told you you did? No, no, I saw it. You know, Lifetime was always on Uh in our household. So like it was one of those moments of it came on and it's also that, but moms are also that way where not my child, not my baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I am the baby of the family. Mm -hmm. So, so not my baby, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and usually you hide it and you're not so out loud with it. You're right. not so, you know. I remember as a young clinician going to a workshop um, that was like teaching us that self-injurious behavior was not suicidal behavior necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that was that was groundbreaking. We were mm-hmm. like, whoa, what? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. up until then, it had just been assumed that if you're injuring yourself, it's because you want to kill yourself. Right. 
and apparently you just can't get it right. I actually say that um, in in speeches or lectures or talks mm-hmm. that I give throughout mm-hmm. the communities and stuff like that is I, I view it as two parallel lines. Mm-hmm. So you have self-injury and you have suicide. Mm-hmm. And, and they run side by side and they go all the way into the eternity. But what happens is, in my experience especially, when you self-injure, you're tearing yourself down and you're you're making yourself feel lower than you possibly could. And and you to cope with that, then you hurt yourself. And so what happens, I feel like, is that line starts to bend mm. ever so little. And then you can keep going and keep going and keep going. And then eventually those lines are going to cross. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's when it's at that moment, mm-hmm. that's when you reach your low. And that is when self-injury and suicide go hand in hand. What a great way to put it. Yeah. So before we get too far down the track, will you tell some of your story? Like, yeah, that's oh, what I was going to yeah. say, too. Absolutely. We got yeah. totally sidetracked. But please, right. yeah, tell yeah. us your story. Um So what I always like to do and what I always like to start off with is because for people who have never self-injured or or just can't really understand that end of depression, that end of of mental health and what's going on, is I always have this little this little thing that kind of helps you visualize the mood and the feeling that I personally felt. So that's the key is most of this is just from my experience. Mm -hmm. Others will have experienced similar. Some may have experienced totally different. But so what I like to everyone to do is just kind of close your eyes and relax and picture yourself in a room. And this room has no doors. It has no windows. It's completely and entirely enclosed. It's not large. And if you stretch out your arms, you can touch all four walls. If you reach up, you can feel the ceiling at your fingertips. There's no light in this room. It's dark. It's the kind of darkness that you can't see the hand in front of your face. The kind of darkness that feels like you could almost cut it with a knife. If you scream, no one hears it. Not even you. It's as if you are deaf and the closest person is a half a world away. No one is here with you. It's just you and your thoughts and you're alone. You're all alone. And I want you to keep that picture in your mind and hold on to it for a while. That's how we start. And that's how we feel. And there's definitely moments in my lifetime when I can recall being in that room forever. Wow. And it's so interesting. So my name is Jesse Milbrow. I am a lifetime person of Aberdeen. I lived here, grew up here, went to the schools around here, continued to stay here. Um, and I'm just really honored to be here. Thank you oh, so much. I'm so really honored to have you. It. Yes, um, thank you. So I have my wife, which we mentioned, of Jamie. Uh, we've been married since 2008. <laughs> yeah, 2008. Had to double check myself mm-hmm. that. Um, and I currently work for the Brown County Sheriff's Office, and I've done that for quite some time now. And the big key is I'm a self-injurer. Mm-hmm. And I continue to say that I'm a self-injurer because when you have something that is a coping mechanism that works so long, mm-hmm. and it's always that safety blanket you can come back to, I've never had feelings that push me back to that moment and so it always just lives with you. Mm-hmm. It's always around the corner. It's always lurking behind mm-hmm. you, kind of. And so far, I've been keeping up the strength and I've been setting up boundaries and putting safety barriers up to keep me from that. But life throws you curveballs sometimes mm-hmm. and you just never know. You just never know what is going to 
happen. Mm-hmm. And you can't predict for that. Mm-hmm. So then we don't. I shared this on our eating disorder episode, but had one in high school and through my early 20s and really tackled it beautifully and um, got in a fight with one of my kids when she was a teenager. And I thought, I just need to go eat a whole bunch and throw up. Mm. And it's like, where the fuck did that come from? Mm. That hadn't even been anywhere in my awareness for decades. But you're right. It just lurks. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay. And then you go, I need to talk to my husband. I need to go for a walk. I need to do the things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Contact my safety people. Yes. You know, go do something that makes me not think of that, Mm -hmm. you know. And so thinking back, um, you know, memory is a fleeting thing, especially when you have kids. (laughs) It just goes entirely away. (laughs) You don't have any of that anymore. But I recall hurting myself at age 11. Mm. was the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm 37 now for yeah. reference, I guess. We should mm-hmm. probably put that out there. Um, but I'd like our listeners to just stop for a moment and think about any 11-year-old you have in your in your life. Right. And then think about them. And that's, I mean, it's just such a young, innocent age. Mm-hmm. And I think it's heartbreaking that that, that became a coping mechanism yeah. at that age. Yeah. And that kid, when you were describing that box, yeah. that room, is that where you were at at age 11? I wouldn't say that's where I was at. You know, I'm a bigger person. I have always been a bigger person. I run that Midwest body like no one <laughs> And then we put a little dad bod on top of that. So it gets a little bit But can thicker, we talk about the beard and, beard and mustache for half a second? We are in the presence of greatness we today, really Fran. Are. There's a lot of facial hair going on facial right here. Facial hair royalty. <laughs> that's why Fran's having hot flashes. I know. I, I, I can't compete. That one hair that comes out of my chin is like You rock it, though. You know, you got to shake what your mama gave you. That's, that's all you got to do. To go with it, so right, that's beautiful. Exactly. Sorry, Jesse. No, Welcome no, to the podcast. Yeah, I love it. And by it. the way, it's not a dad, but it's a father figure. Okay, oh. I got, I got you, buddy. Yeah, there you I like go. That. Um, oh. And so, so being eleven, it's just those awkward stages. You're trying to find yourself. You kind of that like pre-puberty or puberty, maybe. I guess I'm not sure mm-hmm. what when that entered my life. You know, but it's just it feels like where we strive in a world to make to make difference such an amazing thing back at that time difference was the worst thing mm-hmm. you know yes. everyone wants you to be the same and align you needed to fit in these particular boxes these particular categories and so if you didn't you were just awkward and not welcome and awkward wasn't cool back then no it's cool now but back then awkward was not good yeah. mm-hmm. and so i think that's how i felt you know i always Always just feeling displaced um, and and being a bigger guy, being bullied, you know, so you start to have those feelings. And so I can't ever pinpoint what was the particular moment. What was the moment that I decided to take a knife and, and cut my arm? Cutting was my first intro into self-injury. Mm-hmm. And even, too, the, the process of it, you know. So in the beginning for me... It was that moment, it was that sting, to feel the sting, mm-hmm. you know, that that take to take whatever you're, you know, it kind of wakes you up. It's like that snap mm-hmm. out of, it snaps you out of whatever you're thinking. So that's that. And then obviously there's blood afterwards. And so then seeing that blood and making me feel, oh, I am alive. I am a person. And so that's how it started. And and it's one of those moments of it's 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 like a dopamine fix, right? Because mm-hmm. also that, because you're cutting yourself. And so your body's like, oh, what's mm-hmm. going on? You know, and so I think it's a combination of all those things. And all of a sudden, like, oh, I feel better. Mm-hmm. 
I feel better. So right. I'm just going to go back to this. It doesn't, I mean, you know, at the time I wasn't thinking like this is kind of, I, I, I was awkward anyway. So mm-hmm. what's just another layer? What's another, what's another peeling of the onion, dare mm-hmm. I say, that to make you more awkward? And I think what you, what you bring to light is mm-hmm. very confusing to a lot of people. They're like, mm-hmm. why the hell would you hurt yourself when you already feel like shit, right? They don't get the fact that it is a hit. Yeah. When you cut and you are lighting up those areas in your brain, right? That dopamine hit, that fix. It is sort of like a, a lot of my clients describe it to me as like a... It's like an endorphin rush right? and it then a relaxation. A, release, a yeah. total release. And feeling then, like you said, that moment, like I am alive, I'm, a, I'm in my body, I'm human. Um, and it, become a, it can become addicting. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. anything that lights up your dopamine. Right. And it's the moments too for me, so... Um, at that point in time, it was a very telling moment. And so you could tell if Jesse was having a good day or a bad day. My my cuts at the point were like paper cuts, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, so pretty superficial, little blood here or there. And so and again, so if you're having a bad day, it's a lot of them and it's mm. it's very frenzied and it's very crazy. Or if if I'm just feeling a little bit, then it's just a little like a little nick, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. And so doing that and. It fixes your problems. And in fixed, the moment. It fixed my problem in the mm-hmm. moment. Absolutely. And so that's what it was. As, as I would say, my skin became an emoji for my feelings. Ooh, damn. Oh, snaps. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember, just superficial. Did your parents see it? Did anybody see it? So at that time, no. Because obviously I knew that this was not a thing mm-hmm. that you do. And so it was very secret and mm-hmm. it was very hidden. Mm-hmm. I also have to say that I had this um, existential fear of um, when you discovered, you know, Hollywood does this amazing mm-hmm. job of painting this picture of if you are found with any sort of mental health illness of any kind or whatever, they bring this wagon downstairs. <laughs> and the straight jacket. And the straight jacket, right. yeah. And, but it was a real fear because, yeah. again, picturing lifetime, that is what yeah. that is what I am seeing. And people are getting hauled off and thrown in the basements of, mm-hmm. of state hospitals. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I'm just trying to fix my little problem. Yeah. And, and honestly, for the most part, the, the story that I tell, and, and you can attest to it too, I am this jovial, charismatic kind of guy. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so when people hear this story, they're like, what? what? The first time you told yeah. me, that was my reaction. I'm yeah. like, this just doesn't yeah. gel with the Jesse I know. And it's funny that like at this moment, you know, where I, I'm giving you what you want to see. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately I'm feeding. I'm feeding people what they want because I'm also a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. As a Midwesterner, that mm-hmm. I, my goal is to please you, mm-hmm. like because then that pleases me. And so by giving that side of it, but also understanding that I have all this pain and suffering that I cannot take care of, mm-hmm. that I have to get rid of it really quick, really fast, so that I can go back to pleasing people and making mm-hmm. them feel happy, because um, that makes me feel happy. Mm-hmm. So that's the moment there, right? Yeah. And it just seems so wild to me that I could be so controlled in that way but I could not control this part. But also, if you think about it, like it wasn't a bad thing. I didn't mm-hmm. consider it a bad thing because 
it wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. In the Midwest, self-injury in 1996 to mm-hmm. 2000 did not exist. It, you know, I'm sure it did. Right. Obviously it did, but it was not talked about. It was mm-hmm. not seen. It was not heard. If anything, it happened behind closed doors with therapists and doctors and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, Well, and I don't know if this will resonate with you, but I had somebody tell me once years ago that they were like you. They wanted control over everything. Um, and the only time that they lost that control is every now and again, they'd go out and just get hammered out of their gourd. But she said, but I was controlling the out of control. I chose when, I chose who, mm-hmm. I chose all of that. Right. So I was out of control, but I was controlling the out of control. And anyone that'll tell you, anyone who's close to me knows that I kind of am Mr. Organized a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you saying that is like 100%. Yeah. 100%. It's on my terms. It's when mm-hmm. it's happened, when I can do it, and that's what was going. But- I, I also think you're a huge empath. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, 100%. huge. You oh, yeah. feel all the feels. I do. I do. And everybody's. I think, yeah. Yours and yeah, everybody's. Yeah. Anyone in the room around me, I'm like, ooh, there's some pain here right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, and I'm like, I am catching the vibe of mm-hmm. that. And and yeah. But I also think that's why I like people so much. That's why I like making relationships so much is because deep down inside, I'm feeling what they're feeling. And I was like, oh, I've been there. I know mm-hmm. that. I want to help you. Because mm-hmm. also a Midwestern thing, you help people as best <laughs> yeah. you can. There was one time early on when I remember my parents saw it. Mm-hmm. And it was like I was reaching across the dinner table and my sleeve slid up. And my mom's like, what the hell is that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, um, um, uh, and I was frightened and I caught off guard. And then I just made this excuse. And I was like, oh, it happened at like a school dance. I got like pushed up against the lockers and... And again, mom not thinking because she's seeing this charismatic, jovial young guy. It's not, again, not my baby, not mm-hmm. my baby mm-hmm. doing this. Um, she just sloughed it off and didn't think anything mm-hmm. of it, you know? And I think even too, as parents, it's easy to do that. Mm-hmm. It's easy to not think the worst of our child. Mm-hmm. You want to think the best of your child. So mm-hmm. if they seem like they give you a pretty good excuse, you kind of roll with it until you I catch think that's them a pr- I think it's a protective oh, so mechanism. True. So true. Um, it would probably be high school then. So that carries on and, and, and goes on and, and continues to hide in your body fester like a poison. I like mm. to say, like it just starts off really little and then slowly it infects you. And then, so in Aberdeen, especially we go from like six, well, at the time, I think it was like six or seven elementary schools shoved into two middle schools. Mm-hmm. So anybody you have going up to you, you know, gets shoved into that. And then from two middle schools, you go into one high school. We have multiples, but one public In, in the school. public yeah. system, in yeah. In the public system. So, so, so from age 11 to high school, you're 14 when you enter high school. About how often were you self-harming during those years? So about that time, it was probably, you know, pretty infrequent. Just like when things kind of stacked up and it started to be that water in the glass that was going to spill over. And I was like, okay, we got to take a drink out of the glass. We got to... We got to get rid of it. So maybe once every two weeks, once a week-ish, probably somewhere in that realm, Mm -hmm. you know. And then, you know, there's a story that I can specifically remember. And I think it's around this time that things started to change. So this is a bullying story. And so in, this was towards the end of middle school. So, well, we were freshmen. At that time, freshmen were in the middle school. It was junior high school. So it was K through six in the elementary, 
Seven, oh. eight, nine in the junior high school. As the good Lord intended. Yes. That's, that's how we do it in Minnesota. So, yeah. And then 10, 11, 12 in the high school. Mm-hmm. So you change for gym class, okay? Mm-hmm. When you have a body like this that I've been rocking since those early ages, mm-hmm. you are uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I would go to um, the bathroom stall and I would change. And unfortunately, people started to notice that. So then one day when I went back to change in the bathroom, um, they followed me. And so I picked the middle stall. Lord knows why that day, but I did. And as soon as I like took my shirt off and I got my shorts pulled down, or my pants, I should say, and I was in my underwear, but naked, mm-hmm. naked to a person who's self-conscious with their body, right. um, they popped up over the stalls. And then they started yelling things at me. They started saying how my breasts looked good as the girls and how I could be so fat. And they just kept, you know, shotgunning things at me. And it was just like Mm. I was terrified, Mm. absolutely terrified. I can't imagine. And so. Trapped. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know where to go. I'm frozen. I'm I'm just sitting there because I was like, I I haven't even done anything except exist (laughs) at that point in time. And so they um, finish what they're doing and they hit the sides of the stall and and whatever. And and I'm just stuck there, stuck there Mm because I don't know what to do. But like the good kid that I perceive to be, I put on my gym uniform and I swallow that all down and I go to class. Yikes. And the worst part is choosing teams Guess whose team I'm on? Oh, no, God. yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. And so people, and so at that point in time, you know, that's pretty lowly. That's yeah. pretty, <sighs> pretty bad. And so it's that moment in time when I definitely feel like things started picking up. I started getting braver, and I started pushing the razor blade down even more. I even tried maybe some different things. Heated up a lighter, shoved it against your skin, you know, mm-hmm. or tops of screws or something like that and with a candle and pushed against your skin. And so that's where I was at. And that's that room, right? Okay. That's that first mm-hmm. time you're in that room where you don't even know who you are or you think you know who you are, but people tell you that it's not and you believe them. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I still think about that. And I still, because we're in Aberdeen, South Dakota, we still, you see those people from time to time. I was going to ask you that, if you still see them. Yes. When It's a funny story, actually, when I worked for um, the jail, because I started my career at the sheriff's office in the jail, um, I actually booked in that gentleman. (gasps) Okay, was there just a tiny part of you that was going, oh, hell yeah. You know, I... (laughs) I mean, we don't. You don't want to rejoice right, right, in other right. people's pain. No, and and again, it's that whole concept of like because you guys have spoken it mm-hmm. to before to say that those two didn't have trauma in their life right. that they were mirroring onto someone else yep. to make them feel more in control of their life. So you know, at that time, in understanding more of my process and things like that, it's easy to just like, well, he's getting his karma, right? He's, yeah. He's got his comeuppance there. I'm not going to obviously say anything. He probably doesn't no, even know yeah, at right, the time. But right. so I, you know, good feelings off of people's misfortune. I try not to do that vibe yeah. a whole lot, but maybe a little. Sometimes yeah. you're human and you're yeah. just like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Here's your jumpsuit. Um, you know, yeah, here's your jumpsuit. <laughs> Hope you look good in orange. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's moments like things too. So, so. 
I try different techniques, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've tried everything. So I remember like I would start multiple journals and, and, and stuff like that. And, um, I'm writing on these journals and just writing down all these thoughts and I still have them. So then to be able to go and kind of read back, you know, it's mm-hmm. a very interesting thought, you know, and so. Wait, is that good or bad, though? Because I could see it either way. So for me, it's 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 a growth moment Okay. from where I've been. You know, so some of the pages here, you know, it's um, I'm blood writing on them because that mm-hmm. was, I don't know, I just, I did because it was like, I can see it then, mm-hmm. you know, instead of having to cut myself, maybe I can see it on the page. That wasn't always mm-hmm. the case, but. But and then and then, you know, writing in words like death and relief and suicide and and then on another page notes to myself to remember that I suck. Mm. I'm a freak and a loser and nobody likes me. Oh God. I feel my right heart. now so sad. And I just think, oh my God, if I were your mother and I would have come upon that. Oh, to mother, find it? Oh. I would have been like, I, I don't think I'd ever let you out of my sight. No, I ever. yeah, you just wrap your arms around yes. and then you just don't let them go. Right. And and journaling, which is such a wonderful thing, I promote that. Mm-hmm. But really, when we think about it, it's just pages of silent screams mm-hmm. that Ooh. nobody hears. Mm-hmm. You know? And and then just that constant struggle of words and thoughts that go unanswered, you know, because you're writing these questions and it's like this inner monologue that you're going on and it just stays there. You don't publish it. Mm-hmm. You don't give it to people to read because, oh my gosh, yeah, you know, that's why we have thoughts and things. But mm-hmm. when you start to write them down to get them out of your head, but that's where we're at, you know, and Pages of pages trying to figure out who I am. Trying to make sense of what is now, but wavering between friends and foes and cutting and not cutting and then asking for help and hiding it. Quitting this journal to start up another one a month later. Forgetting it and writing on the, on the, the margins of your notebooks in school because you have a thought, because you have something um, and while all that's happening inside you and you're striving to process that, you still have real life. Mm-hmm. You have school, good grades, friends that you have one day but not the next because relationships are tough, extracurricular activities, dances, and still that feeling all the time of not fitting in and still that haunting experience of changing in the bathroom mm-hmm. to have people just ridicule you and and say things to you that you never thought you would hear. Hey, Becky, why is the Northern State University graduate program in counseling so awesome? I could go on forever, but let's talk about the fact that you can get a clinical degree where you can work in private practice or an agency, Mm -hmm. where you can get a school counseling degree on the school track, where you can work in a school as private, private school, parochial school, public school, any school you want to. And then my favorite. What? forensic counseling super cool but is it k-crep approved it is k-crep approved and you're like what does that mean you know what it means that it has the gold standard of grad schools super awesome but can i afford it because i don't have a lot of money it's okay if you go to northern.edu yeah you can um apply for some scholarships they have a couple of counseling specific scholarships in addition to some other really fantastic scholarships that a guidance counselor or a admissions counselor can help you with awesome be Northern, unleash your potential, baby. Oh. 
you know, one of the things that I, when I was reading what you had written, and I just thought, talk about Midwest, you know, in Midwest to be a boy, you have to be an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. You have oh, to be with yeah. the jock. You yeah. have to be that. And you were a creative boy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very much so. What the hell happens to creative boys? I mean, now I think it's very different. I think it is very different. Yeah, but when you grew up, that wasn't a thing either. That was an oddity. Yeah. To see to see show choir become a popular thing. <laughs> for yes. Boys. yes. Like that. Is, what yes. a moment. What a time to live in. Yeah. yeah. To be able to see, you know, but it's almost like people from the LGBTQ plus community mm-hmm. of of them going going through that to see what they struggled with and then the growth that we have. And mm-hmm. we're still trying to continue to make right. off of that, you know, different stories altogether. Definitely don't want to compare their but struggle common to themes. this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Again, parallels that we yeah. can, that we can witness and we can see. Um, It was, you know, and so a lot of people times then have the question of um, obviously things are getting worse. I'm cutting more showy now mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm known as the hoodie guy because I wear hoodie or long sleeves. Mm-hmm. And so in the 90 degree, 110 degree heat, mm-hmm. that gets to be kind of weird yeah. every so often. Back then, nobody thought anything. But today, we'd be like, mm. yeah, yeah, we'd be looking for right. that. And so, um, you know, again, and, and reaching out from time to time. I remember I sat some friends down and we had a conversation and I explained it to them. And then, but that was high school. And mm-hmm. that's where you get a good bit of information and you share it. And I don't blame them because that's how the mood we were in. Yeah. So that I remember walking to school the next day and instead of people looking at you in the eye saying, hey, Jesse, mm-hmm. hey, Becky, hey, friend, how's it going? Hey. Mm-hmm. They're looking at my arms to see if it was true. Mm-hmm. They're looking for cuts. They're looking for scars. They're looking for marks. They're looking, was that story that I heard about Jesse really true? Mm-hmm. You know? And so... So that starts to do something. So now you're the oddity again. The oddity again. Even more beyond than the oddity. Mm -hmm. You're almost like not even existing at this point in time. Mm -hmm. You were just like something that people can look at, you know. And I had two friends who actually had shared information with the school counselor. And this was towards the end of my freshman year again. Again, we're in middle school still technically, but... um, and I remember it was towards the end of the year and I got called down to the office. And at the time I was thinking, oh, this is just, um, I have a, I have a, a interview to do this high school improv group, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, this is just that. So like I get down to the office and it was Mrs. Wapple. Love her. Mm. Oh, I know. Shout out Lois. Lois. Remember her? Yeah. <laughs> she was the best. Um, yeah. And so just the kindest, most gentle woman she in the entire is. world. She oh. yeah. And so I remember sitting down with her, and and she had a um, an intern counselor with her. Mm-hmm. I guess is what you would call yep. it. And and she's like, "Was it okay if she stayed?" I was like, "Yeah, that's fine." Like, I'm just I, trying out for the improv. Just, yeah, just doing this interview. Better have some good recommendations. <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> and so um, she so then she sits down and she closes the door and she goes, "So some friends are concerned." And I tell you what, if my head didn't go to like an instant migraine and like the darkness started to like, like Mm -hmm. I was going to pass out, I feel like Mm -hmm. almost. And my, all the saliva in my mouth just sucked out of (laughs) it. And I was like, cause I'm like, oh man, that car is parked right outside. Mm -hmm. The dudes with the straight jackets are right outside the door. Still the fear, right? It's still there. Even though I probably should have known better at this point in time, but you just don't, you just Mm -hmm. don't. And so 
I go through and she asks a bunch of questions and, and I answer them or whatever, you know, and, and, and like trying to find them in the blank space that now is my mm-hmm. head. And, and then she goes, okay. And, and she thanked me for my time. I was probably in there like 15 minutes, half an hour mm-hmm. maybe. And, and then she goes, you can go back to class now and I'll check on you a little later. Of course I gave her the answer she needed to know. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So where are you at your journey? Beginning, middle, end. Well, obviously I'm at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, would you consider, you know, what's the yeah. severity? Oh, it's super minor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just downplayed it. And I know it's right. dumb and I'm really not going to do it anymore. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, and so then I never did have another meeting with her. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if I got lost in the shuffle of leaving and going up mm-hmm. to the high school or, or I answered my questions like, oh, he's, she's good. He's just yeah. having a little moment. He'll be all right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it, that's just, one of those things. Mm-hmm. And would it have ever occurred to you at that point in time to be like, I want to talk to a counselor regularly? No, that didn't exist, Fran. Never. We didn't talk to counselors. Never. No, 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 no. Yeah. And because it just, again, it was probably, I don't want to say a taboo thing, but mm-hmm. like taboo thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, I wasn't that sick. Right. No talk to and just sick. because you started therapy, started doing therapy in Chicago in 1850, right. we didn't have it here until 2002. Exactly. So if you remember the Midwest bubble. The Midwest bubble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is so true. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so then we just go on. And so, you know, through high school and I have band-aids that just never seem to go away. And I have cuts that appear in my arms and, you know, in high school, in, in elementary and middle school, you all kind of do the same thing. There's mm-hmm. only about three activities you do. <laughs> right. And for the art kids, <laughs> it's but one. Right. And so, but in high school, those blossom and those go mm-hmm. on. So most of my friends are band nerds, and and but we met up in the theater because that was also super exciting for mm-hmm. all of us, you know. But but you're able to kind of hide away, you know, and and just be that moody teenager that that's what I was. That's how I, you know, am. And we just, but I keep journaling and I keep injuring and keep going on with my life. And then, and then there's this entry in my journal. Things keep getting worse with this entry. I'm foolish as I lie here. I can see all of the scars on my legs when I counted 28 in all. That number will go bigger as time progresses. I've tried stopping, but this try is no use. The razor always seems to call my name, and I always give in. My mind is unfocused lately, and I find a lot of my actions unclear. I've also come to the conclusion that my life has nothing really to hold on to. I try to act, but people are better at that. I try art, and there are people better at that. Writing is a lost cause also. I think that my purpose in life is just to take up space, and that's all I really am doing. When it comes to being a friend factor, well, I suck at that too. If I'm not making them pissed at me, I'm making them disgusted or afraid. I have one question. What is my purpose? Now that the tears decide to come, it's not enough, so I must ask myself, what is my next move? My first thought would be suicide. It's really easy to think, but when it comes to the action, it's a little hard to follow through. I should know I can cut up my wrist, but when it comes to pushing down deep, I find that a little bit harder. This isn't a plea of attention. Piss on those of you that think that. But this is going to freak some people out. Why are you so fucking stupid, Jesse? Mm. And this is that conversation we have. Suicide and Mm self-injury. Parallel lines. Mm -hmm. 
But reading that, feeling that, I can, I can almost mentally picture myself in my room mm-hmm. writing that in, my, in, my, in the house I grew up in. And just knowing that at that point in time, I was ready to be done. In fact, I I can specifically recall if you would have asked me at that point in time, where will you be in 20 years? I would have told you dead. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't think I had anything left to give this world. Mm -hmm. And so now, superseding that moment and going past that moment, every day is an excellent brand new day. Mm -hmm. It's a brand new adventure. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a new life every day, waking up and being like, I did it. Mm -hmm. From this point in time, I kept going. Mm -hmm. And I would like to think that that was the turnaround point, that that being able to read that, being able to speak that out, to write those feelings down, that I was able to do that. But I wasn't. You continue on that downward spiral. Tearing yourself apart, hurting yourself to build yourself back up, but not really because you still feel ashamed and hate from having to hurt yourself to even get you there. So you hurt yourself again. And all this time, those lines are bending and getting closer and closer and closer. And then I looked at that. Like I said, I looked at my life and I was like, I just don't see anything. There's nothing good here. And you are how old at this point? This would have probably been like sophomore, junior-ish year, so midway through high school. That's when the that's when the tough feelings really hit hard because that's when you start to try and do things and, and then life blends together and you start to become more adult. And, and I had responsibilities in my household, so I had to work to pay my insurance, to pay my gas for my vehicle that my parents did give me. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, not not completely out of the woods, but but so that I remember many days wearing my uniform to school, khaki pants and a polo, to then go and mm-hmm. at 3.30 to be clocking in at work, mm-hmm. working till whatever time, going home, doing homework, all that stuff, eating, finding some free time. And so... I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that was the moments of just like almost being having that taste of being too much of an adult and not being able to to hold on to it, to understand it, to cope with it. Mm-hmm. So at so. that age, sophomore in high school, how often are you cutting now, and is it getting? Oh, like I would say almost probably daily. You know, and so, and I mentioned there's 28 scars, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, because I keep going in the same routes in the same places. And many of the, the cuts <clears throat> that I had early on didn't scar. They were, they didn't. This, the, it takes to push down deep to, to really, to really get it a good one going. Do you know what I mean? It sounds <laughs> awful saying that. It no, sounds so terrible, but. But so, it, you know, those are the ones that scar up over time. And then when mm-hmm. you're cutting on top of other scars, it doesn't, it just compounds kind of. And so. Would you say it's fairly common for people who do self-injure to go back over the same? Um, I, or does it just, it just depends. I think so. Again, it's, it's that moment of, are you trying, are you, you know, there's only more, so many hidden places in your body. And yeah. I, 
it feels like you have more control on on your limbs than you do your body. But okay. then again, there's the there's the stories and and the experiences of people who, um, like sexual assault survivors and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that will cut lower on their legs, on mm-hmm. their thighs. You know, one story I read of of a survivor that um, said she did it to make herself less appealing. Mm. Oofta. Mm-hmm. And. I can't even fathom that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't even fathom that the amount of pain that she was going through. So, um, this story, I think this is the kind of a big moment in my life. And, and I still think back to how crazy and how wild this was. Is this the work story? Yes. It blew my mind. Yeah. So, um, it was a Friday night in my senior year, and I don't necessarily remember what happened that night, but I knew I wanted to hurt myself. And this was also the moment I should preface. So starting off seeking the pain, seeing blood, to now completely leaving your body mm. and not feeling anything. Dissociating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so to be able to make cuts on your body or burns on your body or shove safety pins through your arms or whatever you are doing at this point in time and to not feel it at all, to not even, almost like you're here mm-hmm. watching yourself. He's holding that. his hand above like yeah. he is oh, yeah. watching from above. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, that's way better than feeling pain. Yeah. Than feeling hurt and empty mm-hmm. and lost. And, and it's, it's that moment of... It's that moment of this really isn't me at this point mm-hmm. in time because I'm out of my body, mm-hmm. it, you know. So it's not even it, it, you lose that sense of this is this is something that is absolutely beyond the fathom mm-hmm. because I'm actually not doing it because I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so set everything up, you know. You're at, like at, it's happening. Yeah, it's really, really yeah. happening. Do your little ritual mm-hmm. things. Those that becomes a big thing for self injurers and. Um, Listening to the music, you know, you put on all the good lyrics, Marilyn Manson and Disturbed and, and all those good All the bands. uplifting ones. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Um, and, and then sitting there, remembering all those things that I hated, that people have said, that people have done, or whatever, watching that balloon kind of fill up, that, that anxiety, that angst, that those hateful feelings, and knowing that... I need to get rid of it. Um, And it was almost like I was no longer holding the razor, but I was watching the physical me hold the razor. And I drug it across my right calf. And I felt nothing. And I put the cut on, I put the razor on the same cut and I pull it again. And I do this. And then I move down a little bit and I cut and I do that. And I keep going. and, And eventually you just get into this rhythm and you lose yourself a little bit. Until eventually the skin that was between the two cuts isn't connected to my body anymore. Fuck. Mm. And then all of a sudden things click in, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, and then and then the sensible Jesse comes in like, time to clean up, like, you know, like <laughs> bandage myself up. And so I put bandage on, you know, and medical supplies, that's also a big expense now all of a sudden <laughs> in my life. And tie my belt around to put pressure on it. And I go to bed. Wow. I wake up the next day, gotta get ready for work. It's a Saturday. And um, I tear the bandage off, which now I know was the bad thing because it was stuck to the wound. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm such a wussy. I'm such a wussy. Oh, it gets way better. (laughs) 
So, um, so do that. Take a shower, wash up, rebandage. Stop at Target on the way out to Office Max. That's where I was working at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, buy more medical supplies. Go and do my shift. Working my shift, I'm up at the counter on my feet. Okay, um, and all of a sudden it's like you you just you feel damp. You know, mm-hmm. it's like like did I pee myself or like mm-hmm. what happened? And I look and I can see there's blood flowing through the bandage that oh. I have on. So I'm like, okay, well, obviously I need another bandaid. So I need to go to the bathroom, run to the bathroom, put on some more, come back, do my thing. A little while later, I'm feeling again. Oh, my gosh. Keep, and so keep going, right? And it by no means is it like crazy, but all of a sudden I can see it. Well, I'm wearing khaki pants, so any mm-hmm. any moment is going to happen, you know, there, or you can mm-hmm. see. And again, the the loony bin, the, <laughs> yes. the car, the straight jacket, the whole thing. And so... So I keep, and eventually it got, the bandage around my leg got so thick that I couldn't even, I could almost not even pull my pant leg down. And so, and then again, it's happening and I can feel it and I can see the blood coming through the bandage. And I said, okay. I said, so then, you know, I'm a guyver and we have little trash cans up at the front. And so Mm -hmm. I cut a trash can liner and put a rubber band at the top and the bottom around the wound because then it's not going to get on my khaki pants. And mm-hmm. then it gives me some time to think, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't have anything else that I can that I can bandage this back up. And so at the time, one of the supervisors um, knew I was a self-injurer. And I remember I told him, I said, well, here's the deal. Because I had to work a double shift that day. So oh, I was shit. working late. Mm-hmm. And, so I, and he was a supervisor at nighttime. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right. So either we get this fixed or, or I find how to fix this or I'm not going to be here for my shift. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, just a minute. And he goes over and he makes a phone call. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Yep. And, like, my heart is in my throat. And I'm like, again, it's that fear. Here comes the way again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and then he comes over and he goes, well, we're going to take our lunches at the same time. And you're going to follow me to my house and my wife will look at your or my fiance wife. Beyonce, one of them, um, we're going to look at your wound. She was a nursing student at Presentation College, mm-hmm. folks. The wife or the fiance? Uh, I can't. One <laughs> of the same. It's the same person. I, I oh, promise. Okay. I okay. promise. We're, okay. we're not that progressive at this point. Yeah. Uh, we don't have that moment going on. Um, There's no throuple. No. And so we go home, and he had prepped her or whatever. And so we get into his living room, and they're living in just some apartment, right? Whatever. And I walk in, and she's got like the, like, it looks like a little surgical room oh kind of. She's got the blue little paper out. I don't know. Oh, she's probably wow. robbed all this from PC for practice or something. <laughs> I don't know. And, um, and so she takes all the bandages off and throws them away. And, and I'm like, well, there's $60 that just went down the drain just like that. <laughs> you know, the practical me is still setting in. And she's looking and she tries a few things. And her box is getting emptier and emptier and emptier. And she her undoctored diagnosis, because mm-hmm. she is just a student again, she thinks that I had nicked a vein. Oh, shit. So mm-hmm. nothing, ma- well, nothing major. See, look at me. Yeah. Look at me yeah. like right. whatever, you know. But so by being on my feet all day and by ripping the bandage off mm-hmm. in the morning, like it took the clot with it. And now it just hasn't had a chance to clot. Mm-hmm. And so and I remember looking at her. We're sitting on the couch together and I go, I'm not going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And she looks at Eric and she goes, go heat up a spoon on the stove. And I had no idea what that meant at that point. Oh, in time. I just puckered. And so, <laughs> and so, until all of a sudden he comes back with an oven mitt on, holding the spoon, and I go, "Oh, this is happening." 
And she goes, are you ready? And I said, yes. And what? what? Are you kidding me? I am not well, lying. She cauterized it. Yeah. yeah. What the? What? what the actual? No kidding. And do you think at that moment in time, I'd be like, okay, time to be done. Yeah, no. 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 Because <laughs> now the, you found a new right, way. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Wow. Um, she put the most minuscule amount of bandage on it at this mm-hmm. point in time because it was done so. And, uh, and I limped back to work and I finished my shift. Wow. I think back to that. Wow. That's fucked up. Yeah, that is. Wild. It is mm-hmm. wild. I see her infrequently from time to time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and we, we recant that story yeah. a little bit every time, you know, but she saved my life. Yeah. Mm. Because oh. I would have probably been stubborn enough. I would have. Because you weren't going to go to the hospital. No, I would have passed out and then someone would have called. Yeah. Eventually, wow. I'm assuming. Yeah. And so, God. there we go. Mm. So, what was the turning point? What was the turning? You know, eventually. High school goes on, your friends move away, you start having to become an adult here real, real quick, and then we, um, and we, you just, you'd stop having time, and that's a terrible excuse, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Bullies go away, Mm -hmm. you meet work friendships, you start moving in, you start doing great things, and... And so I just, slowly I started finding that I don't have time for self-injury, Maybe I started to get some coping mechanisms that were healthier and better. Mm-hmm. What I really say was the helpful turning point in my life is Jamie. Mm-hmm. She hates that I say that, mm-hmm. but I have to say that mm-hmm. because she was the person in my life that didn't turn away, that didn't stop. Mm-hmm. She paused and mm-hmm. she did her research. And we worked on things. I know. She's such a reader. She's such a book nerd. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started to discover that because I actively was injuring when I had met Mm -hmm. her. um, And I actually had to tell her. So back in that day, you to find out if you were dating someone, you asked them. Mm Mm-hmm. To, to be your girlfriend or yeah. boyfriend. And so, but before I could do that, I had to confess my life to her because mm-hmm. I didn't want the sensible me. I didn't her to walk into a situation that she didn't know. Yeah. And so I said that and said, do you still want to, I would like you to be my girlfriend. And she said, yes. Aww. And so, and so then there we go. And how old were you then? <sighs> that would have been 2005 ish 2006 probably somewhere in that round so Early out of 20s. high school yeah well, well yeah. late teens yeah 20s i'd say 20s okay. for sure yeah and so and then and then it was just and then she just built my confidence and and then i started to tell my story mm-hmm. and there's lots of power that comes mm-hmm. in and telling your story yeah mm-hmm. and then you start to do kind of other things i got tattoos Mm-hmm. That's that sting that kind of goes back. There's blood mm-hmm. from that sometimes too. And, mm-hmm. and then you have this beautiful art on your body. Mm-hmm. You know a wild thing? I donated blood. Mm. Oh, sure. There you go. Although you channeled I, it. I have to look away from when they stick me yeah. with the needle. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Isn't that so funny? There's some irony. Yeah. But, but I started to do that. And I was like, so the blood that I was spilling for selfishness and for, mm-hmm. for hurt and pain is now getting bottled up and sent somewhere to save someone's life. That's awesome. That's cool. And I thought that was a really cool moment, yeah. you know? And so that's that's what it was. And then 
getting heavily involved in the church, getting heavily mm-hmm. involved in the community the best I can, mm-hmm. having kids. Mm-hmm. Not that we actually have kids at that point in time, mm-hmm. but we were taking care of all these youth kids at church mm-hmm. and, and making such good impacts on their life, and they were making mm-hmm. such good impacts on mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and slowly, I just didn't have time for self-injury anymore. But Jesse, that was a decade. That was a decade of self-harm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, you think about that, like as a parent or someone who loves someone, that is a longstanding pattern, a longstanding mm-hmm. maybe addiction or coping mechanism good for you for, you can't just credit your wife, although I know she contributed to it, right? Right. But it's like to be able to move past that, a decade of behaviors is astounding, really. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I always constitute and I always say that it's no prize that I didn't do it without therapy, professional therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't want to balk at anybody who who does seek out a therapist of some kind right. or whatever. I actually applaud them because mm-hmm. they have much more courage than I did to do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a little bit easier now, too. It's not easy. It's mm-hmm. not easy. You still got to go. But right. it's easier mm-hmm. because hopefully the stigma is getting reduced as mm-hmm. we do things like this. Right. I'm, this is your story. So I'm calling bullshit on myself, whatever. But it's, I don't think that you didn't have time for it. But to me, what it resonates is you found connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think it, it, it must have, yeah, the not having time for it. I don't think uh, that maybe that downplays the, the connection, which was the important piece. Again, your story, but I, no, I don't no, think I, that that's it. You're you know. right, because I am such a people person. Mm-hmm. And so making those connections is so vitally important to me. It's mm-hmm. so um, to be able to enter into someone's life and them enter into your life and and to share stories and to share experiences and to share just in general the, the karma between you two, the auroras that you have, yeah. um, I think is just such an amazing moment. So what I energy. Yeah. And so by saying I don't have time for it is because instead of doing that, I'm filling it with moments with Becky. I'm filling it with moments of coming to speak Mm -hmm. on the podcast. I'm filling Mm -hmm. it with doing something in my home to make it a better home. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so I instead of and that's that's the thing to addiction, right? Because because in my realm, self-injury also is an addictive because there are nights I could not go to bed if I didn't self-injure. And then I slept like a baby. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was like I hadn't completed my day. I hadn't punched my card. And so like anything with addiction, my wife being a CD counselor, chemical (laughs) dependency Mm -hmm. counselor also helps with this. When you remove addictions from your lifetime, if Mm -hmm. you don't fill that spot, what goes back into that spot? The addiction Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. So I had to remove that, and then I started plugging things in. In fact, I started pushing so many things into that spot that there's no room that it could bust back in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to go back to the moment where you were ready to be done. What if you had? And I want our listeners out there, any of our listeners who are thinking about suicide, and thinking that I'm going to get teary-eyed, Doc, it's been a long day. Mm-hmm. Um, what would the world be like without Jesse? Mm. I, you know, at that point in time, I just think so much that like the worth that others had for me, I could not see. No, and you can't, and that's so hard. And and now, at a moment, I do see that worth. Yeah. And I do see the ripple effect that would go away. 
And so to prevent that from happening, again, not making others go through that pain, that is what I want. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that is why I continue to speak about it. And I will speak in, if they ask me back when I'm 80, I will still talk about (laughs) it. I'll be so far disconnected from that point in time. Fran's going to be dust. You'll be shitting your pants. (laughs) She'll still be around. She'll be a brain in a jar. Yeah, Fran will be a brain in a jar. (laughs) (laughs) But I think... I think at least we would have a mute button for her. <laughs> I think what we're saying, though, is, and you see this everywhere, is shame grows and thrives in the dark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, when you talked about your dark room, that's what I thought of right away. Yeah. Um, and when you shed light, the shame can't continue to thrive. And that's what you've done by sharing your story is you've shed so much light, not just for you, but for others, mm-hmm. right. that it takes the shame away. And in a, in a good moment, too, I feel like I'm a I'm a double whammy, right? Because I have this story that can resonate with people in the community, 20% of whatever it was, um, but also, too, for males. Oh, hey, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Jamie and I do foster care for this community. Mm-hmm. And so often than not, I see um, young adult males who come into our household that we're always told to hide their emotions, tuck it away, Put it away. Yep. Suck it up. Yeah. Suck it up. Man up. Man up. Nut up. And so to be able to come out and share vulnerability and show that vulnerability is not a weakness like the world wants you to think. It is strength. Yes, it is. It It takes so much strength. Yeah. Absolutely. To be able to go out and speak and share your words and say, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And for people to accept that mm-hmm. is, is the next amazing thing. And the ones yeah. that don't, fuck them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. The last thing that I have, and this okay. is this is the best moment I have because I know it's getting a little bit long here, but I want everybody who's listening and then for the listeners out there to go share this with someone mm-hmm. because it's so vitally important mm-hmm. is that each and every one of us has a purpose in life. You have a purpose in your life. At times I know that it seems false and believe me, it's not. Each of us is unique. Each of us is special. Each of us possesses different talents. And when we look at all these talents, there are endless combinations of possibilities and you will never know if you can save someone's life. You'll never know if you discover a cure to a terminal illness You'll never know if you invent a life-changing technology unless you live your life and you choose to make a difference. A favorite story of mine that I was reminded of some years ago, and it just sticks with me. A young man is walking down the ocean and he sees on the beach thousands of starfish that have washed on shore because it's low tide. And just a little bit further, he sees an older gentleman walking down, stooping often, picking up a starfish and throwing it back into the ocean. And he walks up to the old man and he goes, you know that you can't save any of these. It's not going to make any difference. You could be all day out here and still there will be starfish that wash up. And the old man stoops down, picks up a starfish and throws it back into the ocean. And the kid is just dumbfounded. He just doesn't understand. And he goes, old man, did you not hear what I said? And he stops and he stoops and he picks up one and he holds it to the little guy or the the young man. And he says, 
but it made a difference for this one. Mm-hmm. And he throws it into the ocean. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I say to every, so I say to every person, every day you wake up, try to make a difference in someone's life. Even if that one person is you. Ooh. Because that's what matters. Whether you give a smile to someone, a compliment, a favor, a hug, a helping hand. If we can all do this, we wake up and we do this every day. I guarantee that your life will be filled with joy and fullness. And slowly, over time, we can heal together. We can grow strong together. And we can make changes in this world for the better. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is. And that is how I live my life now. I love that. I love that. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for Thank being you. here. And I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love everybody. Yeah, you do. Okay. You really do. Hey, Becky, you're not special. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to throw that in there. You really did. Yeah. No, I do. I, I appreciate everything um, that you guys are doing. I Thank listen you. multiple times. I have so many side hustles I'm trying to grow for you. With he is a actually sticker stickers. Pack and, uh, yeah. I, I have I have quotes listed on my phone. And, I love and it. You guys are making such a difference in this world. You have no idea. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for being here. Thank and you. you guys, thanks for listening. We're the shrinks. That's a wrap. <laughs>